look at me on my Segway. I just want to say I'm going to take a jump and leave. Ready? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. How many of you guys got new stuff for Christmas? This is my new stuff. Is this the greatest? So I brought it up here last week because Mimi and Pop got this for me for Christmas. My mom and dad, if you guys that don't know me, I'm an only child. And so at Christmas, I am the only child. And so my kids were like, how come you got cooler stuff than us, dad? And I was like, because I'm an only child, right? And so I got this cool segue, which has been really cool because, um, you know, every Saturday night I come up here and I walk the, uh, the seats and I lay my hands uh, where you're sitting and praying that you would experience God and demons would come. I mean, that you would have a good experience with the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and so now with the segue, I cut that in half. Like I'm just flying past the seats and just kind of a general prayer as I go, that kind of thing. And uh, it's just been really cool. So they asked me if I would preach the whole, uh, the whole time on this, uh, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. So with that, now how many of you guys got something gr- really awesome and new for Christmas? Let me see if you got something new, cool for Christmas. Raise your hand. There you go. Turn to the person next to you and tell them what you got. Tell them how good it was. What'd you get new? That was cool. Uh, earrings. Wow. That was pretty good. Did anybody, I'm trying to turn this thing off. It won't turn off. There we go. Did anybody get a new car? Anybody get a new car? Anybody get a new car? Nobody got a new car. First service, somebody got a new car. Anybody get a new baby yet? Anybody got a new baby? The Clarks, where's Jack at? Jack, how many days away are we now, bro? How many? Three days from a brand new baby girl. We thought she'd be here by now, and, uh, and she didn't come early, and Nicole was not happy about it. But it's been a great new, you, you know, how, how fun is new stuff, right? And so that's why I had to show it off. Because you know when you get something new, you got your new boots, you come walking in. Why? Because it's new. You want to show it off because you enjoy it, you like it, and, and you want everybody to see that you got something. There's just something so fun and so cool about something New. It's just enjoyable to have new things in our life. It's enjoyable. It kind of makes life worth living because we got something new. And anybody get a new house this year? Anybody got a new house? So, 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 yeah, there you go. A couple of you did. When you got that new house, you walked in and you came home from work after, you know, getting it all arranged and set up. And a couple weeks after owning the house and you came in, you went, oh, I have a new house. I love my house. And there's just something really cool about new. Um, our key verse today is Isaiah 43, verse 18. And 19, if you'll turn there quickly with me. And it says it like this, forget the former things. Everybody say, forget 2017. Do not dwell on the past. And everybody say, amen, right there. And look what, look what Isaiah was prophesying. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? Now I'm old enough to remember when DC Talk wrote a song, God is doing a new thing. Some of y'all was in the clubs in that season, so you didn't know about Christian music. But, but they were quoting this passage that God is saying, listen, I'm doing a new thing. I'm, I, I, forget about the old stuff. I want to do something new. How many of you guys are believing for some new things this year in your life? Come on, somebody. How many of you believing for higher levels in Jesus this year? Amen. Listen, can I help you understand something? For God to do something new in your life, he has to do something new in you. And that's what we've titled the message today, The New you. Father, I pray over the next couple minutes that you would help me engage your people 
with your truth. Lord God, that you would take me out of the equation, Lord. Would you just speak to your sons and daughters, Lord God? Would you open up their, their capacity to hear your voice? Lord, would you communicate to them on a level, Lord God, that brings life to them and brings change to them? Lord, we do recognize that you're trying to do a new thing. But for you to do a new thing, you've got to do something new in us. And Lord, I pray that you would expand our capacity, transform our lives, and may we be yours forever in Jesus' name. Everybody shout it, amen. Now listen, you got to understand there are two things that has to happen for you to have something new or to do something new. The first thing that has to happen to have the new is you have to let go of the old. I tell people all the time this, you know, so many times we're like this when it comes to God and it comes to life. We've got the things that we have in our life, our kids, our, our, our finances, our jobs, whatever it is, and we hold on to it real tight. And God's trying to give something new to us, but he can't put nothing new in our hand until we let go of what's already there. And once we let go of what's there and say, Lord God, these kids belong to you. Lord God, this job belongs to you. My income source, this marriage belongs. I don't know how to fix it. Once we do that, then he can bring something else into our hand that we can hold on to. But as long as we're, and that's why I teach people all the time about the tithe and the offerings. Not because the church needs money and if you don't, oh my God, we won't be able to buy some new cool stuff. No, no, no. Because when you tithe and you give offerings, it's a principle that the Lord's setting place. When you begin to release that little bit of finances that you have to the Lord, he begins to have a place to pour in new stuff for you to take a hold to. And so for there to be a transformation of the old to the new, the first thing has to happen is you've got to be willing to let go or remove the old. The second thing that has to happen is that you have to expand your capacity. You have to expand your capacity. Now, Jesus is dealing with this in the book of Matthew. And we're going to study this passage for just a moment. Jesus is dealing with this concept in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. We'll hone in there, and then I'll kind of back you up and explain the passage. It says in verse 16 of Matthew, chapter 9, it says, No one sews a new patch on unshrunk cloth of an old garment, or for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskin. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they put new wine or pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, if you'll study the earlier part of this chapter in chapter 9, this whole thing kind of culminates to this teaching by Jesus, but it starts because Jesus is in someone's home. He's ministering and people just come from all around. They're packed into this house wanting to get close to the Savior, the religious, you know, super spiritual, angry Sanhedrin and Pharisees are all there. The people of the city are there. They just want God. They want, they just want to know Jesus. And most of them believe he's the Messiah and all the religious leaders say, no, he's just a good dude. But all of a sudden there's this group of guys, and they've got their best buddy. He's been paralyzed since he was a kid, probably, and he's in, and they got to carry him everywhere, and they try to, they get there a little early, you know. They, they came fashionably late. Come on, some of you cultures know about that. They came fashionably late, and they couldn't get in. They couldn't get past the guys at the back door, and everybody was all crammed in, and they're trying to, and they can't get their buddy to see Jesus, because they know if they can get him close to Jesus, they'll get healed, and they'll get their buddy healed. And so what they do is they go up on the roof, and they begin to rip away all the little tiles, and they lower him down the roof as Jesus is preaching right there. And as they do all that and they're there, Jesus looks at them and the Bible says he saw the faith in their eyes. And he said to them, he said to this man, your sins are forgiven. When he does that, the religious people of the day, the theologians are like, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Why? Because they didn't believe him to be God. And so as a result, you can't do that. And Jesus, reading their mind, says to them, what's easier, to forgive sins or to heal this guy? Uh, so that you know that 
Son of man has the power to do both. He says, take up your mat, bro. You're healed. And his legs start working, jumping up and down. So there's this conflict now because you got to, yeah, he can't do that. He's not the Messiah. He's not God. He's just a man. He's just a, he's just a, he's just a preacher. He ain't nobody special. Blah, blah, blah. He's just like us. He got that going on. And then you've got this guy who's just gotten healed. And his sins are forgiven. And his bro's sins are forgiven. And the, and, the, and the normal everyday folks are like, oh, finally, God has come to earth, heard our cry. And there's this divide happening. So Jesus takes it down the street, and as he's going down the road, he, he, finds, uh, he finds Levi at, at the tax, tax collector box, and he, he says to him, hey, bro, let's go to your house, and he makes him one of his disciples right there, and so he quits the family business of being a tax collector. He goes home. Jesus comes with a little group of people that are following him, and then, then all of a sudden, you know, Matthew, Levi is, his other, is the other name they call him, but he starts calling all his bros over, and, and now you got to say, he's, he's wicked, and so all his bros start coming, all the dudes he goes to the clubs with, all the thieves and robbers and crackheads that he hangs with, all the men addicts they all show up all the all the prostitutes show up and they're all there with jesus and jesus is loving it because he's in there ministering to them and then all of a sudden the pharisees and sadducees guys are like what are you doing and that's when they start calling him look at him look at him that's when they accuse him of being a drunkard and a pervert because he's why because he's hanging out he's ministering to drunkards and perverts so as a result they automatically just assume that he's one of them but what jesus was doing was he was changing a paradigm what jesus was doing was working a new paradigm and as they begin to complain and mutter, shouldn't you be fasting like that? And he says, listen, I shouldn't be. In fact, let me just tell you this. You don't take a new piece of cloth and because you have an old hole, a hole in your old pair of jeans, sew that new piece of cloth. Because what happens is when that new piece begins to wear and shrink as water gets on, it will tear away because the old cloth, the old pair of pants, the old garment has already done all of its shrinking and expanding. It's fully play, to the place it's going to be. And he says, and let me take it further as an illustration so you can understand what God is doing, a new thing. He says, not only that, he says, but if you know this to be true when it comes to your grape juice and, and biblical times. They didn't have, you know, Sprite and Coca-Cola. Come on, somebody. All they had was whatever they could squeeze out of grapes and oranges and water. And so they would take grapes and they would mash them with their feet in this little bucket thing. And out the bottom of it was a little hole and they would collect that juice or grape juice. And then what would happen is they would take that and they would put that in some type of holding container. And that juice, then, as it began to ferment over time, as you guys call it wine, and as it began to ferment, what it would do was give off gases and expand. And so they would put that typically as they would do new wine or new grape juice. They would put that in a new sewn, if you will, a wine container, which was typically the skin of an animal. Could even potentially be the inner workings of some of it, like a bladder or something. And they would make it. And some of you guys that are athletes, you know, you run and you got the, the little bladder thing that you carry on your backpack. It's on your back is about that thing. You got going on the road, you're riding your bike and all that. And that's kind of what this thing was. And it was usually made of skin. And they would sew it. And they would put the grape juice in it, and they would seal it. And then as that gases would go off, because they had to keep it sealed, it would expand with the gases. The old wineskins had already done their expansion. They had already been to the point of breaking and now had solidified in the, in the, in the, in the form that they were going to be in. So if you then take new grape juice and put it in there, it would begin to expand and it would blow it out. It would explode it. And what Jesus is saying is uh, God is doing something new and it won't work in your old wineskin. God wants to do something fresh and something supernatural in mine and your life, but it won't work in your old wineskin. It won't work in your old ways. And you keep crying out, God, do something new in me. He's saying, I love you too much to do something something new in you. Because if I do something new in who you are right now, it'll destroy who you are. 
And so I've got to make you new to be able to do something new. Are you there? And that's the word for 2018 as we go into it. God wants to do new things in mind in your life. He wants to do supernatural things in our life. But he has to be able to do, make us new to be, get, to be able to expand with what he wants to do. And when you and I miss that, and we're like, God, I want you to do it in the way I think it best, then what happens is he goes, I love you too much to give you what you're asking for, lest what I give you destroy you. And, and you know, this, this week we're, we're going to take some time and take the kids, you know, they're, they're, on, uh, they're off of school, so we're going to take the kids uh, away for a couple of days. And so we've been packing, packing uh, our luggage and that kind of stuff. And I think it's a good illustration of what God wants to do for you and me in 2017. This is a beautiful bag. And if anyone has flown recently, you know that when you went away for the holidays or you came here to visit family, maybe you're visiting with us, you brought your bag. And if you've watched, the airlines have increasingly gotten more difficult when it comes to your bags. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They, they don't want you bringing big bags. They're doing every, they're extra charging you. They're making all these things. And so the little overhand, overhead bins are really small. Have you noticed that? It's hard to fit anything up there. And so if you take a bag, and let's let this bag represent our life, and I have packed this bag in for us to be able to go away. It's awesome. It is so packed. I mean, it is, it is sweltering at, the, at, at, at how much I got in it. And it's everything that I need. It's really important. I got my boots in it. I got my doctor shows. Come on, I got some socks and that kind of stuff. And this is beautiful. But let's say I went away for Christmas holidays to see Grandma, and Grandma got me some amazing new things for Christmas. It's awesome. She got me a Star Wars lunchbox. Whoop, whoop. She got me a, a Captain America doll. And he even talks, but I don't forget how to make him talk. There you go. And she got me a bow and arrow. Ooh, I just broke the bow and arrow. She got me a bow. And here's the problem is if I'm going to take that home, how am I going to fit it in my already stuffed bag? This is the problem that you're having. God wants to give you new things, but you're already filled to the brim with all the other things in your life. And so there are two things that can happen. For you to be able to take on the new thing of God may mean that you have to pull some things out that you really don't need that bad. Things that you've been holding on to, things that you value, things that you thought were important, but actually got in the way of what God wanted to do in your life at this new juncture. They may have even been good things from back in the day, but they're not great things for tomorrow. See, what got you there in 2017 may not keep you there in 2018. What you got to learn to do is keep moving so that you can take on the new thing, but you got to get rid of Say, oh, I can't get rid of some of those things. These are all God things. Then the second thing you got to learn to do then, if you can't take out anything else, then what you got to do is expand your capacity. You got to get a bigger way about you and stop thinking so small because once you put the, the big case up, then you can fit more and more in it. Each and every one of us want new things. Each and every one of us want God to use us in a new way. Every one of us, 2017 was, it was okay, but I just need this and I'm believing this. And God's looking at you and me going, I would love to do that for you. But you got stuff in that bag that I can't get past. You're holding on to things that you value that I can't get past until you let that go. And so for our family, anytime we have Christmas, we go through our closet, we go through our house, and we begin to look around and go, what have we not even used this year? It's a hard thing for us. My wife borderline's a hoarder. No, that's not true. She's amazing. She's, she, she's going to stab me because she's really not. 
But, um, but you know, you know how, how you ladies are. You got, that was from grandma from 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And, and you got to have that. And like, we've never eaten on that plate and no one's allowed to touch it. And if anyone bumps it and it cracks, someone's going to burn in hell forever. So I, why do we have it? I mean, it's a decorative piece. And then we've got that, you know, those old towels that were left over from, you know, 30 years ago when we first got married. And, but we got to have them because, you know, so-and-so gave them to, and it's got our name. Well, the, our name used to be stitched on the bottom of it, but the washing machine has destroyed that. And so you got all those things things in your life that have some kind of meaning to you. And God wants to do something new in you, but you got rid of, you got to get rid of something old. So we, every year we go through our house and before we can receive the new presents that God is bringing to us through our family or that we're having for Christmas or birthdays, we got to get rid of something. Why? Because that space is limited. Think about your life as a pie chart. You can try to cram more into that pie chart, but to do that, something else has to sacrifice. Something else has to go away. And so what you value what you put as an importance in your life is what causes you to be who you are. And so people tell me all the time, oh, Pastor, I wish I was like you. Da, da, da. Well, you I'm no better than you. I have just removed some things that you still hold on to. I have just cleared out some space to take on what God wants to do, and you still fill that space with something else. And friend, can I just explain something to you? For you to get what God, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former thing, Isaiah said. Forget it. He said, I'm doing something new. It's going to blow your mind. It's so much better than what you have now. But you and I have to be willing to let go of the old. My wife and I filled up an entire utility vehicle with stuff this week. We brought it over to the Salvation Army. My daughter had a box with a brand new purse with the tag still on it in the box that she had wanted some raffle thing. She's 10 years old. It's grandma's purse. That purse was this big, still in the box. I was like, baby, what are you doing with this? Well, I want it. Are you ever going to use it? It's ugly, Daddy. Well, why do you have it? Why do we have that? Let's bless somebody. Let's give that away so you can get new stuff that you actually use. We've got a lot of stuff in our life that we're not using that is not of real value. Might have been valuable back in that other season of your life. Might even have been critical for the last season of your life. But it's not critical for moving forward. And you and I have to be willing to say, Lord, make me new. Make me new so that I can receive your new. And so to do that, let me give you a couple things that need to kind of change in our life, areas that God wants to make us new in. And we see this right out of Scripture. So number one, if you write these down, the first area God wants to make us new in is a new mindset, a new mindset. Look at Ephesians 4.23. It says to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to be new in the attitude of your minds. Do you know that you still have strongholds in your brain? You have, you, your brain is weighing you down with the what ifs and coulda, woulda, shouldas, and I didn't do this right, and God's mad at me about this, and if I wouldn't marry that first idiot, then I wouldn't have this situation. And you're bogged down with these old attitudes of the mind. The moment you walk into the mall, you're already on defense mode. Someone's going to try to rob me. It's an attitude of the mind. So you miss the moving of the Lord because you're already in a different attitude. When you go over to your relative's house because three years ago, Paul Paul was mean to you, and you go over there now, and you already got an attitude of the mind. You, when, you, when you show up on, at your job every morning, you already have some preset attitudes. And what Jesus wants to do is restore our mind. He wants to control all delete. He wants to superimpose his ways over our old ways. And can I tell you something? When you and I allow ourselves to believe lies, demonic forces can control that area. Now, I know you don't like to talk about this stuff about deliverance and that kind of thing, but when you begin to believe a lie, when you accept that as, yeah, that is true, that's right. Everybody is against me. That's right. All black people steal. A demonic force begins to take root there in that lie. 
And the way you overcome that is to turn to the word of God and find the truth. And then that truth destroys that lie. And as a result, your mind begins to be set in right order with the things of the Lord. And when you and I have the mind of Christ, we start acting like Christ. When you and I have the new mind of Christ, we start doing what Christ did. The new things that you want to experience in your life, the first starting point is, Lord, what's in my head? What's in my brain? What lies have I believed? What mindsets and attitudes of the mind are not you, Jesus? Work those out of me this year in 2018. Work them out, God. I want your mindset. Here's the second new thing. That has to happen in our life. And that is we have to get a new capacity to love. A new capacity to love. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. Everybody say new. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Can I ask you a question? How much has Jesus loved you? What's the limit on his love for you? What's been the limit of his forgiveness for you? There's been no limit. And he tells us to love one another the way I've loved you. Limitless, without capacity. It just keeps going and going and going. We need a new capacity because some of you right now, you're like, you better take him to the mall because I'm about to kill him. I'm about to kill him. I'm about to kill him. I have reached my capacity. Are you with me? You know what needs to happen? You need to get a new capacity. You don't need to blame it on they didn't do this right. How in the world did Jesus love the Pharisees? He had a different capacity than you and I have. How in the world did he love Peter? Because he had a different capacity than you and I have. So we have to say, Lord, extend my tent post. Increase my capacity, Lord, because I'm limited. How do the great businessmen and women of the world have so many businesses and have so many employees? And he's like, I can't even keep my house clean. They obviously have a greater capacity. They're not better than you. They're not smarter than you. Their brain's not bigger than yours. They simply have a greater capacity. Lord, give me a new capacity to love in the way you love God. I don't have it. I am limited because of the strongholds of my mind because I'm, I'm worried what they're going to try to get over from me. I'm, I'm worried they're going to use me and abuse me if I give them unconditional love. Friend, you got to have a bigger capacity and get delivered from what they might, would have, could have, should have done and just say my life is not my own. If they hurt me, they can't hurt me because I belong to Jesus. They can't steal from me. I'm willing to give it to them. This is what Christ said. Christ told me, he said, you do not take my life from me. I give it willingly. You take nothing from me. I give it willingly. Oh, to go into a marriage and say, listen, you, 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 can't, you can't abuse me or harm me. I give myself willingly to you. And in that capacity to love, it will overshadow all of your shortcomings. This capacity to love, you and I need, we need a new capacity. I don't know about you, but I've reached my capacity with some folks. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Jesus, I don't mind right now, Lord, if you call them home. I prayed that prayer a few times in the last 20, in 2017. Am I the only one? Stop being all holy. Y'all know y'all prayed that too. Here's the third new that has to happen in us, and that is we need to have new ways of the Spirit. I'll explain it to you because it's straight out of Romans. New ways of the Spirit. Romans chapter 7 and verse 6. New ways of the Spirit. He says, but now, by dying, to, uh, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. If you were here last week, we talked about Christmas is all about Jesus being the carrier, the DNA of a new covenant, of a new and perfect way to the Father through Jesus Christ. 
And this passage is referring to that new covenant. And it says it like this. It says, listen, we have been delivered from an old written law. And now we have a new law, a new covenant. Let us, if you will, serve in the new way of the Spirit. And if you don't know what that means, we taught on this for about four weeks in a series that we titled uh, uh, Dancing with the Star. And what we were teaching you is from that passage, says, and let us stay in step with the Holy Spirit. See, Christianity is not about good and bad. Don't do bad. Do right. That's not Christianity. Christianity is staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Staying in step. When he says left, go left. When he says, ooh, don't do that. You're like, you're right. I'm not going to do that. Oh, I don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. Oh, lift your hands and love the Lord. Okay, I will, but I'm uncomfortable. I'll do it. It's staying in step with the Holy Spirit. And so what this is teaching us is you and I need to learn the new ways of walking and moving with the Holy Spirit. We need to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. This is Christianity. And many of us have gotten right up to a certain spot. He goes, all right, I'm going to dip you now. No, you ain't dipping me. I'm going to need you to pray for that lady in Walmart. I bind that in Jesus' name. That ain't Jesus talking to me. And, we, and we've got these old wineskins. And so the Spirit is trying to move in our life, but we've got these old wineskins. Old wineskins like, oh, I have to go to church to be ministered to. That's an old wineskin. Or, or, or you know what? Ministry, Holy Spirit power ministry only happens when there are the elite pastors up front, the prayer partners at the end of service during the midst of the Holy Ghost moving with the, uh, with the, uh, the organ in the background playing. And then we come forward, they lay their hands on us and we get something super. The problem I have with that is as I study the gospels, Jesus never had an organ behind him as he ministered. As I study the gospels, he didn't even have a prayer partner team. As I look at where Jesus did most of his miracles, yes, there were some in the temples, but they were by the roadside. They were at the mall, his mall. They were at people's homes. Come on, somebody. It was on the street corner. It was everywhere he went. Supernatural things were happening. They didn't wait for Sunday at a service at 1045 to finally get their miracle. No, no, no. Jesus had already said, I'm switching the wineskin because the new thing I want to do is limited by the old way. And so you got to get rid of the old way so you can have the new experience. And friends, some of you are so limited. You think, oh, the last church I came from. They did it like this. That was awesome, but you're not there anymore. And God's trying to do a new thing. And you're holding on to your old wineskin saying, give me something new. And he's like, I'm not giving you nothing new in that because it's going to blow out. I want to expand who you are so that I can bring new things into you. And until you and I get rid of the old wineskin, until you and I go, that was awesome. It was a beautiful chapter in my life, beautiful season. And I set it right there and I closed the book and we're going to think about that every now and then. But Lord, remake me, remold me in the image of what you need to fill me with what you need to fill so you can do what you want to do. And this is the goal for 2018. This is the goal that God make me new. The new you. Turn to the person next to you and say, the new you. And when you and I surrender ourselves to becoming reformed, refashioned, re-sewed, reconnected to the things of God, then all of a sudden, brilliant things start happening. Your mind is, Lord, is that you? See, can I tell you something at Church on the Hill? I would rather you get healed. I'd rather you get delivered in the parking lot. I'd like to see you have miracles in the cafe. Listen, I'm happy in the ladies' restroom for y'all praying for each other. Men's restroom, that's creepy, so don't do it there. But I mean, I mean, listen, we can have it in services. We can have words of knowledge. You can have words of knowledge, you know, through texting and Facebook and all. Why are we limiting ourselves that the only way it happens, the only way God moves, hallelujah, it's like we saw back 10 years ago and keep trying to get back to that. That's an old wineskin. And Jesus said, I'm not pouring new wine in old wineskins because you'll destroy it. 
I would rather you keep your little bit of old wine and remember the good old days and not give you anything new than to put new in your old and destroy you. But for those who are willing to make a new wineskin, I will pour in a new wine and something new. Can you imagine? He blew their minds. They had never, see, they had, never had a preacher get down in the midst of crackheads and love on them. They ain't never had a preacher get down in the dirt and the mud. They had never seen one sit there across the table from a flaming, flaming, flaming sinner and say, I love you. I love you. The Father loves you. He doesn't hate you. They never had that. No, what they had had was sermons preached at them. What they had had was if you're good, you go to church. You go to the temple. You obey the law. Jesus said, I'm blowing that out with a new wineskin. I'm going to get in the midst of the people. So with that, God wants to do the same thing in you and me. But you and I have to become new. Because his presence, what he has for you and I, is new and it's beautiful. And 2018 can be magnificent if you and I can change to receive the new. We're starting, Pastor Jonathan told you on the announcement, we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. Starting tomorrow. Some of you say, well, you didn't tell me about that. Well, if I'd have told you, you wouldn't want to do it anyways. I'm telling you now. So I can tell you in advance. (laughs) Catch you by surprise at the last second. That's how I roll. (laughs) No, but seriously, and with 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're just committing ourselves to become new. That's what 21 days of prayer and fasting are for us. Now, Puritus, biblical Puritus would say that biblical fasting was always about fasting food and drink. In the Bible, they always fasted food and drink. And that, that is true. But what they fail to acknowledge is that when Jews, the Bible's two Jews, four Jews, but anyway, uh, when Jews would eat and drink, they always did that socially and with entertainment. So if they fasted food and drink, they were also fasting entertainment and social. And so for us... Maybe your special diet where you can't miss a meal or something like that. We're not putting religious structure to this. Just simply, 21 days, Lord, I give you this. I, I'm going to unpackage this, Lord. I don't really need this meal once a day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip breakfast. I'm going to skip lunch. And I'm going to give that time space for you to fill that with new mindsets. I'm going to give that space, oh God, for you to fill that with new movements of the Holy Spirit. I want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. And do what the Holy Spirit wants. I'm going to, capacity to love more. Lord, I'm going to let that time. For some of you, maybe you'll fast, you know, a week of the 21 days and not eat anything. For some of you, maybe you'll just fast and say, you know, I'm going to cut out entertainment for 21 days or for a week of that. And in that space, those two hours that I spend, three hours I spend a night watching television, I'm just going to give that space for the Holy Spirit to move in my life, to remake me. It's 21 days of just, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours to remake me. And remember, what are we looking for? Three things that we want to be made new in. Number one, the attitude of our mind. God, make me new. In the next 21 days, your prayer needs to be, Lord, make me new in the attitude of my mind. Where do I have strongholds? Where am I held up thinking and limiting you, God, or limiting the situation based on my past experience? Number two, God, I want you right now to increase my capacity to love. During this 21 days, Lord, I don't love everyone. I can't stand my coworkers. My boss needs to die and burn in hell. And Lord, I'm asking you to help me forgive him and have a capacity to love him. Now all the staff at Church on the Hill, that better not be your prayer, so just say that. (laughs) And then the third area is, God, would you please teach me to stay in step with the Holy Spirit? I want to walk in new ways. Some of you came out of 
experiences that were negative when it came to following the Holy Spirit. People called a move of the Holy Spirit was really their flesh. And so you're a little apprehensive. Some of you came out of uh, situations where you thought the moving of the Holy Spirit meant that there had to be gold dust and brand new gold fillings in the mouth. And you're waiting for us to do that here in Church on the Hill. That's all beautiful and wonderful. But you need to get a new mindset to follow the Holy Spirit. What's he doing now? What's now look like for you? What is the next phase of your development in walking with the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you spoke a word of knowledge to someone that just helped them? When's the last time you prayed for someone who had difficulty physically and they got healed? You said, I haven't ever done that. Friend, 2018 is going to be different. Because he wants that for all his sons and daughters. And so you and I have to be new so that he can pour in the new. Would you stand with me all across the room? I hope that this is ministered to you today and hope that you hear the truth in what God has for you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment right where you stand. Now, I want you, just under your breath, three big areas that over the next 21 days we're asking the Lord to make us new in, to make us new in our, in our, in our mind, new attitudes of the mind. Lord, whatever has been a wrong attitude, whatever's not like Christ. Lord, increase my capacity to love. I, I, I've limited. I can't love this person past this. Increase my capacity to love others, to take on others and help others. Lord, increase me in love. And Lord, help me walk with the Spirit to the new ways of the Holy Spirit in my life. What's new for me today? Father, I just thank you for our church. I thank you for these amazing men and women of God. Lord, I ask you now to do supernatural things in us. Now, with your head bowed and your eye closed, of those three areas, won't you highlight one right now in your time with the Lord and just say, Lord, this one really marked me, as Pastor Adam said this. I felt that from you, Lord. Work me in that area. Do something new in me starting now. Maybe it, was the, maybe it was the thoughts of the mind. Maybe it was the strongholds. You recognize that you still have fears and you're controlled by them. Maybe you would say, Pastor Adam, be honest with you. I just, I've lost capacity to love my spouse. I just, it's almost like I'm, fill, I'm, full, I'm filled up. I'm, I'm to the top. I can't take it anymore. Then ask the Lord to increase your capacity to love. Maybe you find yourself that you haven't really stayed in step with the Holy Spirit. You keep trying to be good and not be bad. And you're frustrated. You need to learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you not to go to that club. He'll give you strength to overcome that temptation, that porn addiction. He'll give you, he'll stay in step with Him. He'll lead you to good godly friends and good other couples that love God the way you do. He'll speak to you what to say to that husband that doesn't believe God is real. He'll show you what scriptures to read that you can stand on and kind of be a banner, a flag, a mark in the ground that says, I believe this, I stand for this. Father, I thank you for that. Our church is ready for the new thing. Would you say that under your breath? Say, Lord, I'm ready for the new thing. So, Lord, I thank you. You're going to start forming us and fashioning us over this next 21 days. Lord God, we commit ourselves to you to become new, to receive what you have for us. Now, with your head bowed and your eye closed, maybe you say, Pastor Adam, I gotta be honest with you. I need a new thing in my life. I need a change. Maybe you would be honest with yourself when the truth is that you're not a Christian, that if you died today, you, you wouldn't go to heaven. 
Maybe you used to be a Christian and life happened and you kind of walked away, you know. It just, you're separated. You're divorced from Jesus. You, you don't see him as your best friend anymore. And you, you want to. You came here today because you're, you're looking for something. You're looking for God. You've been coming maybe for a couple weeks and you want to know the real God that we speak of. Friend, I want you to know something. He wants to know you. In fact, 2,000 years ago, dying on a cross, that wasn't so that, so that rappers could wear that around their neck. That cross is a symbol of a gateway. This great chasm was between us and God. Our sin separated us like two sides of, of a cliff. And that cross is like that bridge that goes over that great chasm. And we're now able to cross through Jesus to God. Friend, I want you to know the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So with your head bowed and your eye closed, if you're not a Christian, but today you want to get right with the Lord, I want to pray with you. Maybe you used to be a Christian, you've walked away and you want to come back to the Lord, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not trying to get a, a notch on my belt. I, 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 won't, I know this is deeply private, but it's also public in the fact that we're in a public venue. But every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And so if today's your day, you know, it's time. I've got to get right with God. Would you let me pray with you? We're going to pray right in your seat. No one's going to call you forward. No one's going to point you out. But you do need to acknowledge that to yourself. You need to own it, that you need a change. You need to acknowledge it to me, the pastor, and you need to acknowledge it to heaven. And I want you to do that right now by lifting your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not a Christian. I'm ready to get right with God. God bless you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I want to pray with you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready to have God in my life. Is there anyone else? Make sure I see you. Okay, thank you. Been a number of hands. You can put them back down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a, it's a prayer of dedication. It's a, it's a starting of a relationship. It's a restoring of a relationship. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with you. But those who lifted your hand, I need you to mean this with all of your heart. Cry out to your God. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender. My life, my wants, my desires. I ask you now, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I accept your sacrifice on that cross. I now declare Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand, even those who didn't quite get their hand up, but they were praying that with all sincerity, and they feel as though that you forgave them here in this moment. I pray the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding right now, would overtake them, that they would feel the righteousness of God come over them, Lord God, that that shame and guilt would just be washed away, and the fear of failing and the fear of going back to their old sin, that that would just be, that that would be overshadowed by the trust that you are big enough and strong enough to carry them past any addiction, past any breakdown, past any sin habit. God, that they put their hope in you in this moment and that you will not fail them. Lord, I pray that you connect them with good good people, good Christian folks in this church to help them grow in you and, and to recognize the pitfalls ahead and, and how to walk this thing out. Oh God, we love you and we thank you for what you've done in the lives of the men and women in this church. Now Lord, we ask you that 2018 would be the greatest year of our life. Lord, as a church, we dedicate ourselves to the new us. 
Do what you got to do in us so that you can give us what you've been intending to give us. Lord, we look for the new. We're excited about the new. We're excited about showing off the new and the beauty of who you are and how you love us. And Lord, we recognize that we have to change. Our wineskin has to change. Lord God, our garment has to change. And so, Lord, we spend 21 days saying, change us. Change us. We ask you to show us. Show us what needs to change and how we change it. God, we don't know. If we knew, we would have already done it. So we open our heart up to you. We open our mind up to you. And we dedicate ourselves for the next 21 days to be changed into your image so that we can receive what you have for us. We call these things as so. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen.